Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh, yeah! I say it's not sexual, but it is sexual. It's totally and sexual. It's, and the ASMR videos are horrible because it's just a woman going, just gonna go. I'm rock hard. I love it. Wow. All right. Uh, welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I am Ben Gizzle. In studio with me is Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. And in a far, far land away, a far, far, far land, in a land far away. Boom. Starting from the bottom, now we're here. Starting from the bottom, now we're here in Antarctica. Starting from the bottom, and we're here. God, it's cold. You know that I wish we did? I wish we left the metal helmets back in Germany because it's like... I've got penguin shit just frozen to the side of my fucking helmet. And I'm sick of being in Antarctica. So, but, you know, I just love that song by Drake. It's just too bad we had to kill him in Auschwitz. Oh, it's not something you should do to Drake. Well, you don't think Drake wouldn't be the first one in line that they had put. Like, regretfully, a tear running down yeah. Herman Hesse's face as they just took Drake. And was like, I'm sorry, you're just, a, you're just all the wrong mix. You're all the wrong mix. I'm sorry, Drake. All right, so we've had some fairly light episodes dealing with 9-11. So let's... Let's get to some serious stuff today because that's the thing is that it's just been technically it's been too real but you know in the end it could have been even more real if we want to you guys didn't even know we were at a seven we could have taken it up to all the way to a 19 you guys wanted to be fucked up for the rest of your life we could have done that but we didn't we held back well we did play videos of towers collapsing as people screamed and cried yeah that's what i'm saying we held back that was pretty intense <laughs> i thought but we could have played four or five Oh, okay. We could have played all the ones that I forced myself to listen to, but we didn't. So, we're moving on. <laughs> Think about how solid the bedrock of your relationship is now. Think about the testing it did. It's oh. like when you test, like, uh, when they when they take office chairs out and they get fat people to jump up and down on them. <laughs> I don't think they do that. Uh, I'm still apologizing as of two days ago. Heil Hitler, that is just great news. <laughs> okay, so we can say we're talking about the hollow earth today. Yes, we are. We're talking about the hollow earth. A lot of the book research uh, from today's episode, this is a great book. It's called Weird Science and Bizarre Beliefs by Dr. Gregory L. Reese. It's kind of a, this guy goes across the country and he covers a lot of the weird phenomenon that people in America believe in. He goes through Bigfoot, cave people, cryptids. It's a really fun book. I would absolutely yeah. recommend getting well, it. We all agree cave people existed, right? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, but did they live in caves? More like 
<laughs> Those aren't words. <laughs> See, that's all you have to do to be a conspiracy theorist. You just have to sort of insinuate, and then you let other people fill it in. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. because I had them like living in some bizarre coconut home. Exactly. Yeah. And the tail out, make the tail more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hollow Earth theory, I think, is uh, it's very interesting. It's because along the lines of Hollow Moon, where uh, in order to believe that the Earth is truly hollow, you have to either be from the 1800s or deeply deeply upset about being fired from Burger King mm. and are now getting a crossbow to go back to the Burger King. You know what I mean? Because right. you're like, y'all been hot and fries in the goddamn center of the earth and just starting being like and you know and like people just, you know, and then Shanisha just got two arrows sticking out of her tits. Beautiful woman though. Beautiful. I love, love her. Didn't deserve a single bit of it. And Burger King does have some killer fries. <laughs> they do. They re- they redid the recipe. <laughs> so let us ab- actually start in the 1800s with John Cleve Simus Jr. Is it Simus or is it Sims? I think it's whatever you want it to be, Henry. He's from 1818. <laughs> I think his. And then you probably would pronounce it John Cleve Sims Jr. <laughs> mm. John Cleve. He was from St. Louis, Missouri, and he began uh. his hollow earth career in. 1818 by sending out a press release to each notable foreign government reigning prince, legislature city, college and philosophical society quite around the earth. (laughs) And here's what that press release said. I declare the world is hollow and habitable within. I pledge my life in support of this truth and my marriage and the end of any friendship I've ever had. And I'm ready to explore the hollow if this world will support and aid me in this undertaking. I ask 100 brave companions, well equipped, to start from Siberia in the fall season. That's the coldest, worst time to start in Siberia. With reindeer and sleighs, much like Santa Claus. But if Santa Claus is a big fat loser, I engage we find a warm and rich land stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals if not men. And oh, good Lord, I hope there's men. <laughs> God, I hope. <clears throat> the full torso of men deep inside the belly of our precious, precious earth. I would go on that journey. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So a quote-unquote novelized version of Sims theory called Simsonia described the people in the Earth's core as extremely attractive, gentle vegetarians with beautiful white skin, great intelligence, mm. and little need for sleep. So yeah, th- kind of so yeah, and they just have a lot it's like also the mustache wax flows naturally mm. from the green mountainside. <laughs> and oh lo, lo Yolatengo is president. <laughs> I will say, if you're somebody who identifies uh, solely as a person who has great facial hair, you got to get another hobby. <laughs> I watched that uh, show Beard Wars. Sad guys. Oh. Sad guys. Because oh, anyway. what happens if you get gum stuck in there? Well, you got to shave. life's over. Yeah, it's all done. <laughs> so in this quote-unquote novelized version of the theory... the are pe- saying that this is the fake version of the theory, right? No, quote-unquote novelized. And we're going to no, hear what that... What does that mean? Why is it still, why is it still quote-unquote novelized? Quote-unquote novelized. We're going to hear that a lot in this story, <laughs> is that these people... What they did is they did actually have some knowledge of the hollow earth, but 
certain people took certain artistic liberties with it, or mm. the people themselves put out these possibly true stories under the guise of fiction to get into the world's subconsciousness. And mm. much like a 9-11, if you know what to look for, you're going to know he's talking to you. So you're All talking right. about dirty, soiled pamphlets <laughs> handed out by men in stinky wool suits <laughs> screaming about how the earth is hollow, right? And that these were the novelized things. Well, so as, just, and he was just like, I seem to have found this book. And oh, you will, you will be quite scandalized by the nature of what's going on inside our very earth. There's nude, attractive men. And God <laughs> knows how many Papa Johns will be there. Get Ooh. excited. Free pamphlet. <laughs> It's in a pamphlet. <laughs> I mean, you can't not trust a pamphlet. Oh, yeah, man. According to a pamphlet I got in Times Square the other day, the Earth is going to end here in about a week. Next, oh, that's great. Actually, it's going to end the same day that Heroes premieres on NBC, Henry. No way. But wait a minute. Is it before, I hope it's not before 8 p.m. because we need those <laughs> Nielsen numbers in. And actually, what's really important is that if we can actually move the end of the Earth to the 27th, the plus three on the rating scale really helps us. I'll make a so, pamphlet about it. I'll, yeah. I'll cancel out that pamphlet with my own pamphlet. <laughs> Boom. That's how pamphlet wars work. So in this quote-unquote novelized version, Sim said that these people underneath the earth traveled through this ca- these cavernous underground areas using airships powered by, quote, elastic gas... And claimed that the surface world that we inhabited was actually populated by the descendants of exiled criminals from the hollow earth, making our entire planet equivalent to Australia. The rapists of Australia. (laughs) Yep. I find that very, um, I don't know why I find that insulting, because Australia <laughs> seems like it would be nice, but it is the progeny of rapists, right, Marcus? Well, not only that, but it's also a nightmare land full of inhospitable uh, terrain uh, and animals that would just as soon kill you as look at you. Some great they have a seven-foot-tall chicken bird that can <laughs> eviscerate your guts with just a swipe of its foot. We're supposed to live there? <laughs> it's a beautiful place. You know, boomerang, that's something you throw and it comes back to you. So you <laughs> exactly. can imagine how fun that weapon is. It's, it's ex- boomerang is literally the example of if you've loved something, let it go. Right. Yeah. And, and if it comes back. And if back, it loves you, it'll come back to you. You've been having sex with a boomerang. <laughs> you've been having sex with a boomerang. You can't just come on all the boomerang that's not a wife. Oh, that's why I'm all scraped at the top mm. of my shift. Yeah. Oh. Um, I also want, I should have did this as a caveat uh, at the very beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, if you are not uh, red eyeballed stone right now, <laughs> you're not going to find this show half as fascinating as it should be. This whole show is sort of like every one of these theories reminds me of like the cartoon version of the little prince. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where it's a little like Anna, 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 kind of trippy. Where it's like it's like when you see like nude French boys with no pubes, like <laughs> dealing with like pink aliens and stuff like that. It's that kind of trippy. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is before you start, like stop the show right now if you have not smoked yet, and just fucking roll up, roll up a boy's leg worth of the <laughs> finest Parisian <laughs> tumbleweed, and fucking spark it to your face because but, it's gonna get yeah. a lot trippier. Than this. Do not Google nude French pubeless boys <laughs> talking with pink aliens, however. You will go to jail like Jared Fogel. <laughs> so the second well-known hollow earth believer didn't show up until decades later. 
1869. Speaking of the end of the world, this guy Cyrus Teed, he was a millennium doomsday preacher, just like the people that we got at the end of the 20th century saying that the world was going to end on you know January 1st, 2000. Cyrus Teed was one of the guys that said it was going to end on January 1st, 1900. He claimed that he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Oh. The reasonable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was possibly, before our friend David... He actually took the name of Koresh. Oh. And he established a commune in Florida. Oh, it's mm. so nice in Florida because Beautiful. it's so the humidity makes it so that my joints don't hurt. And also, you know, the moon is hollow. Uh, you got to <laughs> see my grandson. He's a dentist. <laughs> 1869 Florida. What would that have been like? A lot Did like you- 1997 Florida. <laughs> Just a bunch mm-hmm. of people in tank tops all sunburned with random lotion on their noses. Absolutely. Well, it's just Native Americans and Cubans hanging out. I bet it's pretty fucking, pretty fucking randy down there. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it I mean, would I bet be. it's fun down there, and there's a bunch of snakes and stuff, and you got natural <laughs> swamps, and you got a bunch of stuff like that. I bet, um, I, bet, I mean, it's real foreign to anywhere else you'd be in America. You know what I mean? Because where is he from? Is he also from St. Louis, Missouri? <laughs> You can go why? Uh, can you uh, ride an alligator? Yeah, because it's probably like, look, it's moon lizards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Teed believed that the Earth was a hollow ball with humanity residing on the inside. Suck yeah, man. Inside. All of us living on the concave surface rather than the convex, i.e. the inside of the spoon rather than the outside of the spoon. Yeah, dude. I fucking believe that shit, man. <laughs> I think you fucking... I think about it all the time, man. I'm like, we're not fucking... We're on the outside of the fucking world, man. And the fucking... It's spinning, right? Okay, think about it, man. The world's fucking spinning, man. Why are we still on it, dude? Have you ever tried to fucking sit on a chair with your buddy fucking spinning on it, man? You fall out of that shit. We're inside of the shit. And the fucking sky is the fucking picture, man. Some dude came and painted it. Fucking Michael Sarah fucking painted it with a rolling pin. Man. No, 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 mm. dude. I'm about to fucking blow your mind even further. No dude painted it on the sky. The sky is not painted. The sky mm. exists for what happens is the sun, the moon, and the stars all live on the convex side, that's the outer spoon, of a smaller globe inside the hollow earth, making the quote-unquote heavens the center of the quote-unquote universe. So totally all, of, buy it. all mm-hmm. of the universe is contained within a ball, a smaller ball, inside the ball of the earth that we live in right now. It's actually more confusing than gravity. <laughs> it's more confusing than the truth. I'm just saying it's totally true. And it's what I've been saying at bus stops for years. <laughs> and I'm glad we finally reported it here on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cyrus Teed, he wrote in his pamphlet, The Cellular Cosmogony, in 1898, two years before he thought the world would end, that to believe in the convexity of the Earth, that would be the outer spoon mm-hmm. theory of the Earth, was to deny God and all of his works. Deny God? Deny God! And he wrote this in a pamphlet? In in the cellular cosmogony. So his cellular cosmogony, which is a word that he fucking made up. (laughs) Right. If you defy that, the word that he made up in a pamphlet that he handed to you while you were probably busy doing other shit, Mm -hmm. you're also dealing with four other hollow earth pamphlets at the time (laughs) because it's 1880s. He thought that you just denied 
the power of God himself. Yes, he thought that to not mm-hmm. believe in the concavity of Earth, that would be the inside spoon theory of Earth, and not to not believe, because he believed that that ball in the center of the Earth, that was where the heavens lay. That's where huh. heaven was. And to not believe in that was to deny that God existed, because if I mean, you denied where God existed, then you denied that God existed himself. And you know, not a lot of people could read or write during the 1800s, so technically this guy was smart. <laughs> technically, yeah. Which, he confusing. printed a whole pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. of these people were still like being like, "What are pants? I'm new to pants." <laughs> yeah, you know I'm what actually, I mean, like they were wearing their hats on their feet. 1880s were crazy. They were crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just glad that we all live inside the earth and that um, gay people are actually snakes with human skin <laughs> on them and that our, our planet is totally fine and we're headed into a hot... It's more of a vacation zone. Mm. It's not global warming. It's becoming Hawaii everywhere. Yeah. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product right now. Aura has a great deal for mother's day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best selling frame. That's a U R a frames.com. Use code left at checkout to save Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey! 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. Now I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Let's give the people of the 1800s a little bit of credit. While many people dismiss Cyrus Teed's ideas out of hand, it took a couple of decades for somebody to really take his ideas seriously. There was one man in particular who took them to heart, a one Mr. Adolf Hitler. Wait a second. You mean Adolf, the reasonable one, Hitler, <laughs> believed mm-hmm. that the earth was hollow? That's crazy. Well, he he threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. What I like about him is that he really just, like, he mixed it up. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, again, like Michael Jordan. Where it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, when he, he couldn't jump from the free throw line anymore, he made the fadeaway. Mm-hmm. You know, he started working the fadeaway because he knew he had to be a champion. Yeah. That was what Hitler did. That's he when he would make all the Jews. He did make a lot of fadeaways. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're yeah, an like expert at Prince of Bel Air fadeaways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Hitler, what he did about Cyrus Teed's theory, he supposedly had his scientists calculate exactly on the Earth where one could look straight up with a telescope and see what the British Navy was up to on the opposite side of the Earth. Oh. Now, can you imagine being the person who had the sign, having to listen to Hitler explain <laughs> to you what he's doing? It's like, you will make, you will make a telescope that will look up into the mirror world of the sky and we'll see on the other side. <laughs> it will see on the other side what the British people are doing because I know we live inside a golf ball. And he's like, I just wish that Hitler, I'm just, this is a great idea. We all agree. It's a great idea. Great. We all agree. Everyone, you, you love it, Sven, right? Thumbs up, Sven, right? We could just maybe not do it. To the camps? <laughs> but that's the genius of Hitler. He was so crazy, he went with the hollow earth, and then his next idea is of like, why don't we attack the Russians? They're like, we can attack the Russians. We can do that. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's why Hitler lost, because his super crazy ideas were over his crazy ideas were overshadowed by his super crazy ideas. Right. So they just kind of gave him whatever he wanted as far as invading Russia in the winter. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can't wait to be. I'm going to. If I'm ever a Hollywood star, I will be doing the same exact tactic. You come in with a really <laughs> crazy idea. Mm-hmm. You're like, let's do a movie about toaster strudels. And they have to, like, you know, you have, like, a big, like, sort of, like, movie deal with Warner Brothers. And then they'd be like, okay, um, yeah, yeah, we can make a movie about, about toaster strudels. And then eventually be like, actually, I just want to make a story about a coming of age, uh, coming of age story about a boy with no feet. <laughs> And then two years later, boom, he's thanking his mother on the Oscars. I love it. <laughs> That's great. But who's the boy with no feet? <laughs> That's You know who it is, Ben? Who? It's you, buddy. Oh, my God. You're the boy with no feet. Oh. And you know what? And I'm the... And I am the jumping coach that believed in you. It's set in the future, in the year 3075, where just jumping's a sport because everybody's so fat. Right. <laughs> so oh, there are, besides Cyrus Teed and Mr. Sims, there were a few other Hollow Earth proponents throughout the years. Uh, there was the 1800s and 1900s, the uh, 19th and 20th century. This is what we can call the golden age mm-hmm. of the Hollow Earth. There were a lot of people out there handing out pamphlets. Yeah. There was a lot of dumb shit happening in the late 1800s. A lot of phrenology, things such mm, as that. They yeah. were still kind of believing in humors and medieval barbers and bleeding people out. Right. Yeah, and all of these ignorant ideas that were made in the 1880s were essentially the things that planted the seed for what eventually become the Nazi party. Every one of these theories became like something that they could be like and then magical white people live there every single like every hollow earth theory involves magical white people living in the center of the earth and then hitler had the idea and it's like instead of going and finding some magical white people what if we were the magical white people so what if the, but mr hitler what if there was i mean i don't want to step any toes but if what if we go there and they're already magical white people there. So we take them to the camps. <laughs> Anybody who's inside this earth is just a is a hollow earth Jew. <laughs> You're some kind of cave Jew. Well, that seems inappropriate. I think. <laughs> so the other guys, you know, Willie, this guy Willis George Emerson, he wrote in 1908 a quote unquote novel. <laughs> Why are you quote-unquoting? <laughs> was it a novel? No, well, it was released as a novel. So it's a novel. It was not, not, it's not necessarily. It's based upon true ideas. The whole idea is that they're what they're doing is like secret societies have been doing from the very beginning. What they try to do is say it's a quote-unquote, it has to be a quote-unquote novel. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that true secrets are bedded within the novel yeah. in order to get it past the fucking government, man. Yeah. Like that movie Pure Luck with Martin Short. <laughs> they predicted the bee the bees would begin to die really if you remember when the bee stung martin short his face swelled up i do remember that public enemy number one the bee <laughs> so then when they start to die in populations die in thousands and millions at a time we won't care because we'll remember what they did to danny glover's friend <laughs> tell me a second are you the only person on the pure luck martin short like community boards online <laughs> all the web boards where you just complete these long two-page things about well, how pure luck with martin short predicted the bee shortage i do have a pamphlet and uh, i'd like to hand it out to you as soon as i see you next henry all right but after the show we need to talk about uh merging your pure luck yahoo group with mm-hmm. my clifford yahoo group <laughs> 
<laughs> Great. We'll double our numbers. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I think that's really important. I have a whole Yahoo group about toaster strudels that I have been prepping. It's it's the beginning, I think, the seeds of a movie. It's a quote-unquote novel. Perfect. <laughs> so in this quote-unquote novel called The Smoky God. Yeah, man. Fuck it, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Don't fucking say you gotta know what he's fucking smoking, dude. <laughs> the Smoky God told the story of Olaf Janssen, who described this story to the author while Olaf was 95 years old as the Swede laid on his deathbed. For you see, Olaf waited until he was 95 to tell his story in mm. full because for years, every time he tried to tell the story of the Smoky God, they kept throwing him in the mental institution. Oh, come on. Every time I try to tell my most insidious story of the inside hollow earth, they try to take my lederhosen. <laughs> oh, leave the man's lederhosen. Because <laughs> that's what they do if they put you in jail in Sweden. <laughs> Yeah. They just take your leader host and you don't go to a room. No, <laughs> no, no, no. you're it's just, just nude from the waist down. You're wearing your f- weird tunic thing that oh. only, they're, they're only allowed to wear yeah. in Sweden. That's the only clothes they're allowed to wear. Yeah. And they take their very stiff shorts from them. <laughs> I wore later hosen as a child and I wore it to school when I was eight years old one day. And how did that work out? Not good. Turns out not the cultural attire <laughs> of the United States. Yeah, because I could just see six foot five. Nine-year-old, yeah, about right, yeah. Soiled leader, well, they were clean until about the afternoon. I was from Germany, (laughs) so Jansen's story reported that he and his father sailed far north on a fishing expedition from Sweden until they suddenly came upon a tropical climate where they were approached by a large ship filled with giants singing and playing harps. Hmm. The giants took Hmm. Olaf and his father over the curve of the Earth's outer shell, that's the outside of the spoon, and into the hollow interior where they saw, among other things, great herds of elephants, 100 feet long, 85 feet high. Olaf described the herd of elephants thusly. There must have been 500 of these thunder-throated monsters. And they're relentlessly waving trunks. <laughs> Thunder-throated monsters. Restlessly waving trunks. Yeah. Between yes, uh, just, I don't know why I just see just fucking the hugest naked Swedish women. <laughs> just big tube titties. Just like slapping yeah. back and forth, like running around around the best like, I find it rude as he called us a herd of elephants. <laughs> so for this next little tidbit, we want to thank our new official last podcast science officer, Megan Fierro Root. Okay. And we were also going to give out her email. And so from now on, what we'd want to do is that if you have a single fucking problem with any of the science on last podcast on the left, please address our new science officer, Megan Fierro Root. <laughs> is this technically a science episode? Uh, there's science in it. I thought it was a pamphlet. Every episode is a science <laughs> oh, episode. <laughs> Everything is science, Ben. Oh, okay. Everything. Got it. And concerning the science behind the size of these creatures, remember, 100 feet long, 85 feet high, the science behind that is that Earth's gravity exists primarily on the surface of the planet. You dig? You get me? I dig. And there is substantially lower gravity 
in the subterranean levels of the planet. Once you get inside the planet, right. the deeper you get, the lesser the gravity is, especially if you're on the inside spoon part of the planet. They're pulling right. out. They're pushing it. One part's pulling out. One part is pushing in. It's about half the gravity of the surface. So is it like a Salvador Dali type situation? Everyone's stretched out and kind of strange looking? They get bigger. Yeah, they get bigger because they're allowed to grow bigger. You'd be seven foot two down there. Hey, all right. I'd be six yeah. foot seven. Henry would be the same size. Five, I'd eight. I'd be the same size because I would be king. And I would be <laughs> living in a plastic gravityless ball where I went everywhere. And was like, you are all my subjects. I am the king of the inner earth land. And then Call it Nusablauskalent. <laughs> so you get it, right? It makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> Completely true. Technically, this is logical. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the, yeah. If you have no gravity, then yeah, you would you would think you get, it would expand. You get taller. Many sure. science fiction novels have told me this. They talk about it at length in Hyperion and the fall of Hyperion. Sure. Go. Very good stuff. Yeah, Lucis. Mm -hmm. You know, because people in gravity, but that's there's more gravity, so they're more compact. So, yeah. and they're stronger than that. And also, it's seven travelers going to be, visit the Shrike, and the Shrike destroys all but one of the pilgrims, and then he gives that program all the wishes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just many. There's a big interconnected sort of right. computer thing. Right. It's right. it's a big story. It's a good book. Yeah. 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 Usually, it's, science conversations don't involve pilgrims receiving wishes. <laughs> Usually, there's like numbers, and then someone's like, "We don't know, but we're trying well, to figure it there out." There are numbers. Seven go. One gets a wish. Oh, <laughs> those are numbers, Ben. <laughs> those are numbers. Can't argue with that. So while we will cover more of the modern science of the hollow earth, because it doesn't end in 1908. You know, okay. it doesn't end there. No. There are still people to this day that do believe, very vigorously believe, that the moon that the earth is hollow, including a one Mr. Dallas Thompson. We'll cover Mr. Dallas Thompson in a future bonus episode. Oh. So those bonus episodes are gonna start coming out here in a month or so once we start getting the subscription service going. So watch out for that. What we do have today is the testimony of a hollow earth YouTube scientist. Right now in the year 2015. Uh -huh. He released this in April, Ben. Okay. This is the modern day pamphlet. The YouTube <laughs> now, uh, short. I'm going to say that this whole, this video is a documentary I watched called Hollow Earth, The Biggest Cover-Up. Uh, 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 the Hollow Earth, The Biggest Cover-Up Special Edition. Special Edition. Oh. I'm sorry. Because it's true. Because the first one is only 45 minutes. And this one's an hour, seven minutes. <laughs> Of, I would say, what is the term? Well, how would you say, Marcus? Impenetrable nonsense? <laughs> Guess per usual? I would say a probably indecipherable gobbledygook might be more hmm. accurate. Yes, again, the man who made this video, play it. Then... <laughs> All right, let, let's hear it. Here we have a rotating sphere of water about 25 millimeters in diameter and inside this sphere are a whole bunch of little tiny air bubbles. And we will see what the angular acceleration due to rotation does to these air bubbles as a function of time. What you are observing are the bubbles moving to the center axis of rotation. As a function of time, they will form this rather tightly packed uh, bubble core. An hour and These bubbles are kept from coalescing from a small amount of added surfactant to the water. Surfactant. What? what? 
here we have a rotating sphere filled with bubbles and tea leaves and as expected the bubbles go to the center mm -hmm. and the tea leaves go to the outside edge along with a few chunks of orange peel logic <laughs> very scientific he's using the scientific method right now. you can see the bubble in it there's a bubble on the screen mm -hmm. here we have a rotating sphere with bubbles and chunks from breaking up a small vitamin tablet and the bubbles go to the center <laughs> core but the vitamin chunks seem to stay in their location oh, dispersed through the sphere and from this we deduced that the vitamin chunks have a density near that of water yeah. now we're in seven minutes of this <laughs> see that's what you call variables I he's using that. the scientific method here. <laughs> he uses orange peels he uses crushed right. up vitamins mm -hmm. he has proved his point Ben well I'm definitely getting convinced and I'm really um, envious of this man because truly if you love looking at bubbles you can never be bored <laughs> you can never be he, bored he, he beat boredom he did it I, by be making himself the most dull human that's ever right. lived. Oh, yes, definitely had to do that. Yeah, You just have to take your enjoyment of life down to about a zero. Just right and at then, the... like anything, then you just slap in two sugar packets together. Oh, yeah. We'll make you happy for an sure. hour and a half. Yeah, he would love solitary confinement. He's the only one that could actually put it on a show he would enjoy. So tell me, did you, uh, what did you bring your own lunch to, to work like I did? I always bring my own lunch to work and I've got uh, I got a thermos in there and it's got some water in it with some bubbles in it that have some vitamin tablets and orange peel in it. Looking forward to lunch. <laughs> what did you bring today? It took me 23 minutes to walk from my house to the train and then the train takes 42 minutes to get to the station next to the office and it takes about six minutes for me to walk from this station. Where are you going? <laughs> I just have I have no one. The earth is hollow. When I get down inside the earth, that's where I will have friends. I have friends that also like the bubbles with the orange peel and the vitamin tablet in them. Well, now I want to cry a little bit. That was, it's, too, it's too real. That was the most real thing too real has ever done. Yeah, that was truly too real. But you know, yeah. this, but the sadness that we project onto these people in reality, folks who are that sort of uh, you know type, they really love their life, and actually, they're very mean people. <laughs> they're the so ones who say the meanest things on Facebook oh, and Twitter. Oh my God, we've got one guy on Twitter that is a true hollow moon enthusiast, true believe here he is i mean he listens to every single episode multiple times but goddamn does he hate us well He's you know technically our biggest fan i <laughs> think so. about these guys that do believe that's what it is they're not sad they're mad they're, very <laughs> yeah. they're hoping the hollow earth exists because then they can go there because then they don't have to go to the office anymore they don't have to pretend to right. have a good time at the Bennigans when they're hanging out with their office mates when everybody gets apple teenies on Fridays at 530 oh I love a good apple teeny I bet you do um, but a lot of the people who believe the earth is hollow I've also seen a lot of them think the earth is flat so how does that work <laughs> well it, once we get to Dallas Thompson on the bonus episode, we will okay. see that some believe that the entrance to the hollow earth that's up at the North Pole and at the South Pole, but also some, some in Argentina, it is not actually a physical hole, but uh -huh. rather a dimensional portal. Uh -huh. There's a lot of people who talk about that, and also that the the 
hollow earth points at both the poles are about how the earth is a living organism with its own kundalini line mm-hmm. and that the holes on the uh the, the poles the holes and poles are the two chakra points that's the head mm-hmm. chakra and the root chakra which is the asshole chakra yeah and the asshole chakra is where all like that's the bigger one in antarctica the yeah. big old gaping one yeah that the aliens come in and out of but it's not really aliens it's sort of like an interdimensional fucking port or something like that mm-hmm. again i have never smoked the amount of weed <laughs> that i needed to to fully understand that theory the the butthole's a root chakra don't even think about it i you never you've never seen yoga videos that's all i do if i want to learn about that mm-hmm. kind of stuff i just watch hours of just women stretching in tight pants mm-hmm. well you can't see the root you watch the nude yoga videos uh-huh. they're quite have you ever nude yoga videos they're quite good no 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 so possibly the most famous <laughs> of all hollow earth explorers was a one mr robert bird of the u.s navy robert bird jr you know he is actually a reasonably credible individual reasonably so he won a Medal of Honor, mm-hmm. which you think would mean you're reasonable. It right. would mean, yeah. In World War One, won a Medal of Honor. Sure, you know? yeah. Uh, and he also aided Charles Lindbergh with his flight training. Although, mm-hmm. although it must be noted that Robert Byrd Jr. was a Freemason. Okay, false flag. That's what <laughs> I have to say. All I'm right. just going to say the term false flag. I uh, Robert Byrd is it's it, this is whole this whole storyline is very interesting. I'm going to say this: all the conspiracy theories that were attached to Robert Byrd have nothing to do with Robert Byrd. It happened after the fact. They just have they just like said he's like he had a secret diary, but he was like 97 years old. Like things like I don't believe in inner thoughts. I believe in actions. They're like, no, no, no. You had a diary, Mr. Bird. Like, I'm Admiral Bird. You're Mr. Bird now because your fucking dick fell off. All right? All right? Oh. So you just shut your fucking mouth and die of cancer, Robert Bird. So in 1920. Don't ever work in a nursing home, Henry. And never just don't, don't be around the elderly. So in 1928, aided by Edsel Ford, Henry Ford's son. That's another little specious connection. Mm. And John D. Rockefeller Jr. That's another suspect connection. Of course it's all these inbred nepotism-filled pieces of garbage. Smart people have dumb children. (laughs) (laughs) Aided by them, along with $400,000 in donations from the American public, Byrd was able to establish the first base on Antarctica called Little America. And by the way, four hundred thousand dollars in nineteen twenty eight money. In two thousand fifteen money, that is five million five hundred and eighty two thousand one hundred and seventy five and forty four cents. Forty four cents wow. is the kicker. Yeah. Yep, that's that's the, yeah. that makes the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's could, that's the kicker right there. That's the straw. He could get a full brownstone in Brooklyn for that. Or <laughs> Create Little America in Antarctica. Yeah. yeah, No, basically, Rockefeller sent them out over there because, uh, you know, as we know, uh, he wanted them just to collect a bunch of fucking penguins so they could carve them up and make a bunch of fake pussies out of them, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because John D. Rockefeller, eventually the, the Rockefeller that was convicted of murder not too long ago, 
early investor in the flashlight because he was actually fulfilling a previous dream of his grandfather that was started with Little America. In okay, you got to see, all right, 1928, see? And it's trying to say the rape is going to be illegal, see? So what we got to do, all right? Or, yeah, I know. Every time I look at it, even any sort of thing walking, whether it's a dog or a deer or a woman, I want to fuck it. <laughs> so what we got to do is make something called a fake vagina. We got to make a fake vagina <laughs> so I can use it at my convenience. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Snorting my breakfast powder. I'm drinking. I'm smoking a cigar at six o'clock in the morning. So Admiral Byrd, after the establishment of Little America, would make three more expeditions to the Antarctic, including participation in the mysterious Operation High Jump Uh-oh. in 1946. Now, Operation High Jump supposedly was to map the coastline of Antarctica and the interior, and to test equipment, military equipment, in sub-zero temperatures. But Mm. if that was true, if that's all they were doing, then why did they take 4,700 men, 13 ships, including an aircraft carrier, and 25 airplanes? I'll tell you why, Marcus, because they were there to kill one Mr. Adolf Hitler, who was still alive, yes! living in a house made out of penguin skin. <laughs> Seems like a lot. He's just one fat old dude. Mm, well, we'll get more to that later about why they needed 4,700. Because Hitler yeah. was not there alone. Well, maybe they tethered them all together and then they had a big like party train. <laughs> That's kind of fun to do with boats if you ever go on the, on the lake there. Tie, tie your boats together and then you can walk from boat to boat. <laughs> He just showed up to go destroy the last of the Nazi raid that's happening in Antarctica. And they're like, guys, we know that we did bad shit in the past, but now we're here. We're just hanging out. We're just enjoying ourselves, having ourselves a cause light, and just we're just being chill. We're being cool. And they're like, you're right. And then it turned into a Bud Light commercial where it was just them playing beach balls inside of the inner like Hawaii land that's inside of Antarctica. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner. 
to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster. Because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanadas already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> so in the 1970s, few decades after Hop- Operation High Jump, and long after Admiral Byrd Bird had gone to Antarctica for the last time, a mysterious document called The Inner Earth, My Secret Diary, was leaked to the public. And in that, we find a detailed account written by Admiral Byrd himself of his experiences with the hollow earth phenomenon on February 19th, 1947. Now, some believe that Bird merely flew over the North Pole on that date. But the diary tells a much different story. It says that Bird actually flew into the core of the Earth itself, traveling 1,700 miles over mountains, lakes, rivers, green vegetation, and animal life before he encountered something even more mysterious. And you know it's real because all uh, top secret documents are 
um, ca- are, are named My Secret Diary. Uh, please don't read this. If you do, you're going to learn the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all like, you know, the problem is that, yes, at 11.30 hours, it starts with his trip through the inner hollow earth and the secret paradise there. But at 10.90 hours, he was just like, I wonder if Julie likes Bobby. <laughs> because, but I look at Julie and I think, I like Julie. But then I watch Julie watching Bobby, and I get sad, because I think Julie likes Bobby. She always does. (laughs) So this is from Admiral Byrd's secret diary, 1130 hours. Off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They're closing rapidly alongside. They are dish-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They're close enough now to see the markings on them. It's a type of swastika. A type of swastika, Ben. What type? Isn't there just one type? (laughs) No, 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 no. There's many different types of swastikas. There's one, there's the regular swastika, there's the inverted swastika, there's the rigid swastika. But it's all the swastika. swastika. (laughs) But it's it's like if if you're laying down Marcus, you're still Marcus. That is true. But there's a a type of Marcus. Yeah, the lay down Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, there's manic Marcus. There's depressive Marcus. There is drunk Marcus. There's angry Marcus. There's horny Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. Is it all in that order? Is it always in that order? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Manic, depressive, drunk, angry, horny. (laughs) All right. Well, you currently don't seem that manic, so you're depressive. So we've got to end this episode before he gets angry because coming up (laughs) after that, I I got to get out of this room, Henry. Yeah, before you get a horny Marcus. Because he's going to go around. He's got his nipple hands. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wait. You don't know. You guys are around horny Marcus a lot. All right. All right. Good God. You got to change the way your brain works. Get at you with my tweakers. Stop pulling your fingers, your tweakers. So after he sees the swastika, Admiral Byrd's plane was stopped in midair. The controls were rendered completely useless, and then the craft started softly floating alongside the flying disks. This is his next entry, 11.35 hours. Our radio crackles and a voice comes through in English with what perhaps is a slight Nordic or German accent. The message is, Welcome, Admiral, to Automail. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. You are in good hands. (laughs) Please put your plate and trays in the proper position. Um, We are close. Please stop using your headphones. (laughs) At 11.45 hours, he says. I'm making a hasty last entry in the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall, with blonde hair. In the distance, a large, shimmering city, pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. Uh, you know, it seems like a strange thing to do under pressure. <laughs> Just start writing in your journal in real it seems time. strange. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, it's the same thing on Star Trek. Like, you know, on Next Generation. On when the they're... scripted television show that yeah, isn't yeah, real? Yeah, yeah, it's a fake show. That's a fake television <laughs> show. Yeah, but no, it's based in reality, though. Oh. A quote-unquote. No, 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 no,
right? Well, I agree with the reality that there is racism, and that's why Worf isn't the goddamn man in control. No, Worf isn't the man in control because he can't control his emotions, and he's wrong most of the time. Well, I, I always liked him very much. Yeah. Now, is Worf supposed to be space Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but we don't. That hasn't Possibly. been confirmed. And if you watch Deep Space Nine, sir, you will see mm-hmm. that there is a black man in charge of the station. Worf, which, I'm not saying like, that Worf is black. He's a whole other race. He's a whole other. But species. the actor's black. But we're talking about Worf. I thought the actor was just painted brown. <laughs> no, 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 no. Big black man. Oh. All right, we have to end the conversation because you guys aren't <laughs> capable of discussing Worf outside of racial context. So the humanoids who stopped Admiral Byrd, they were, by Byrd's descriptions, closely resembling the Nordic alien race. Well, making... He must have just went like, whew, when he saw them. <laughs> yeah, that made them very close to who? The Aryans. They flew Byrd in ships they called Flugelrods to their leader, who called himself the Master. Mm-hmm. And he told Bird that, that Bird was in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of the Earth. Oh. And he told Bird that his job was to take a message to the government that atomic power was not meant for man. For this was soon after the Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombings. Mm-hmm. And that humanity should seize their use of atomic power. Also, there's a subterranean race of giants developed thousands of years beyond your race. Hello. Um, so it seems like we need nuclear energy more than ever to go blow them up. Yeah, go kill them. We yeah. gotta, so you're saying we gotta go kill them? That's what we. That's what we gotta do. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. You mean we got a bunch of free shit inside the Earth already? Let's go get it. Let's get I mean, it. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. Is it, have we learned nothing from the Native Americans at this point? Did they not get any word about what happens when Americans just show up mm-hmm. <laughs> to see a new place where there's a bunch of new fruit there <laughs> and a bunch of people who don't believe in war? And you show up and be like, huh, that's so funny. Huh? These guys are so nice. Huh? I thought we could kill a bunch of them in like groups. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I will say the Native Americans did have quite a few wars with themselves. They did. They they were quite. They were not quite the peaceful people that the hippies would like them to be. That's right. I'm just going to say this: we killed them with blankets. <laughs> the Spanish did that. Yeah, the Spanish did that. By the we time we get blamed for so much of what the Spanish did, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, you know what, Ben. You're right. I'm going to say another thing the Americans did to the Spanish is that we took we took their their culture and we made Chipotle. <laughs> so I will say that we took the Spanish's diarrhea making power and we amplified it up to 150 times yeah. what they ever could do. So after reporting to the Pentagon and the president what he learned about the people underneath the earth, Bird wrote this in his diary. Now, just know I'm reading this in accordance to the font to which it is written. Yes, and this is verbatim uh, and also verfontum what was written in Admiral Byrd's diary. This is how he wrote it. All right. Verfontum. I am pleased under strict control via the national security provisions of the United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on behalf of humanity. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Well, I don't know why they didn't take him seriously. <laughs> you got to let that guy right into the front door of the White House. <laughs> no, in an interesting little epilogue to Robert Byrd's story, his son... Oh, you know what? Uh, here's the funny thing. This entire time, we've been saying Robert Byrd. 
Uh, Robert Byrd was the racist senator. Yeah, that's what I kept on. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would assume there's more people named Robert Byrd than one. His name is Richard Byrd. Richard Byrd. Yeah, okay. but isn't it fun to think about Robert Byrd going to the hollow earth? Oh, I do believe he's from it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Richard Byrd's son, Richard Byrd III, was found dead Uh-oh. in an abandoned warehouse in Baltimore. As are most people in Baltimore. <laughs> he was emaciated, covered in dirt, and missing a shoe. <laughs> That's heroin, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like a Charlie Sheen thing. No, it sounds like a Charlie no. Sheen vacation. I lo- so either he was walking and lost one shoe, <laughs> and then just continued to wear the other one, or somebody stole a single shoe. Well, nothing that I like better than a sleeping man with one shoe, because I'm going to take his one shoe away from him. I just like to see him sleeping there with just one shoe on. You know what I do? I get a little squirt squirt until the top on that shoeless foot right there. <laughs> Crooked Jimmy. Oh, man. I don't Crooked know. Jimmy, stop jerking off on that one shoot man. <laughs> well, you know what was weird, though? Is it, you know the last time he was seen? When? Traveling to Washington, D.C. to attend a ceremony honoring his father. And he um, had one well, shoe. Because there's so many things to talk about, too. I also want to, like, put on, like, I think that the Richard Bird story is the most interesting facts about about Hollow Earth. Because we're going to connect it right now deep into the heart of Nazi Germany. I want to again say, because we covered a lot with Dulce about the aliens living. I feel like that's already knowledge. That things that live inside this Earth are aliens and they've been here for a long time and they populated us here. Right, Marks? Absolutely. Right, dog meat? Yeah. You're making him angry. <laughs> and if he gets horny, I swear to God, we're ending this podcast. <laughs> So let's get to the Vril. In 1871, a few years before Jules Verne's quote-unquote novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth, a man named Edward bulwer Lytton wrote in another quote-unquote novel called Vril, The Power of the Coming Race. Now, the story follows a narrator who encounters the Vrilya, a race of humans who fled the Great Flood, lost their way, and decided to stay in the caverns. Now, the narrator describes the Vrilya as having huge wings that reach to their knees, like Hawkman, that allowed them to fly through the various tunnels of their subterranean world. They wore bejeweled tiaras and carried <laughs> silver scepters made of polished steel, which were powerful enough to carve through rock. This is how also Republicans view the the future gay hell that we'll all live in. <laughs> sounds like a hell of a place to live in. It sounds yeah, like, it sounds amazing. It sounds pretty yeah. fun, yeah. I want a scepter. <laughs> You'll get one. We can yeah. get you one. It's technically just a stick. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Technically, if anybody wants to make and send Ben a scepter, the address is uh, the Creek of the Cave. Yeah. Care of Last Podcast on the left, 1093 Jackson Avenue, Long I Island. Say, be careful, though. Don't send a weapon in the mail. No, it's not a weapon. It's a scepter. It's a scepter. That would be yeah. 1093 Jackson mm-hmm. Avenue, Long Island City, New York, 11101. Scepters for Ben. And it would really mean a lot to me, and I'd, I'd use it every day. <laughs> Don't give him a scepter. I no, think I should this. get a Don't scepter. Don't give him a scepter, because no. the last thing we need is for him to be able to be like, you stand there, and you stand there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having, having him wrap it on the table. Oh, it would be perfect. <laughs> so the Vril-Ya were masters of the Vril, which the Vril-Ya claimed was the source of power that pervaded the entire universe, enabling them to influence the minds and bodies of others, and also gave them the ability to manipulate the weather. 
And, and it's also known as or key that the Chinese say or prana that the Indians say. Yeah. Or the force, as George Lucas says. Or nonsense, <laughs> as Ben Gizzle said right now. And about the Vril, the quote-unquote narrator of this quote-unquote novel, he said, I pray that ages may yet elapse before they emerge unto sunlight, our inevitable destroyers. I have thought it my duty to my fellow men to place on record these fair warnings of the coming race. And that goes out to your fellow men? Or? Fellow men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know who was able to see through the lines here? Who was able to read through the lines? As I was saying, just like, you know, sometimes it's an occult, hey, how are you? Yeah. You know who answered this, hey, how are you? Who? Madame Helena Blavatsky. God, I, lo- I miss old saddlebags. <laughs> love seeing her out there. She She's got the ro- the body of Roseanne and the face of Abe Vigoda and the mind of Madame Helena Blavatsky. Blavatsky. <laughs> she wrote about the mysterious power source in the book Isis Unveiled. Sir E. Bolwalitin in his coming race describes it as the vril used by the subterranean populations and allowed his readers to take it for a big chance. Yeah, yeah, you hear that? Wow. Allowed his readers to take it for a fiction. Now do you get it? I got it. People read it, they didn't believe it. No, they didn't because believe it. Because the author so allowed, allowed, allowed them to take it as fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't like livid with the fact that they didn't believe any of his ideas. No, he, he allowed, didn't understand. Yeah. Allowed them to take it as fiction. When they were laughing yes. and reading the book, very similar to Tommy Wiseau, the director of The Room, who yeah. thought that he really made a classic masterpiece. Yeah. You know what he said? I'll allow it. He'll allow, allow it. it. Yeah, he'll allow people to laugh at his work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He allowed it. Because, of course, like that we is. We do it. here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Say we're a comedy podcast, but actually, we're delivering, we're delivering very potent chunks of the truth, much like chunks of vitamin tablet inside of a <laughs> bubble of water mm-hmm. in a loser's basement. <laughs> yes. You know, of the believers that took the matters of Vril to heart, none were more ardent. More passionate and more believing than a one Mr. Adolf Hitler. You know, one thing you'll say about him, the one thing he wasn't was gullible. <laughs> so he was open-minded, yeah. Henry. When it came to the hollow earth theory, I think that he was a little bit too open-minded. <laughs> this is the thing. So you think that it's like, it's, yeah, I guess Hitler was so open-minded that he was narrow-minded. <laughs> yeah, he went full circle he, with this guy. He came back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really open-minded about some things, real close-minded about others. Mm-hmm. But still yeah. kind of open-minded in being close-minded. Well, he was a painter. Yeah. He believed in himself. <laughs> kind of. So let's get now to, speaking of Adolf Hitler, speaking of Nazis, let's talk about the Vril Society. Now, the, the Vril Society was kind of the hot chick version of the Tula Society, correct? Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, this was the other side of it. The Thule Society was, you know, nerds like Heinrich Himmler, mm. Dietrich Eckhart, you know, guys that, you know, uh, big fat Hermann Goring. Like, these people right. were not attractive. No, the wedgie boys. The, w- <laughs> the boys that deserve multiple 
the severe white nerds we talked about in the Nazis and the occult episodes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The super white nerds. And this is something that this is actually, right now, this is an extension of our Nazi occult episode. This is something we really wanted to get to on that episode but didn't quite have time for. Uh, this is when we really get to talk about the Vril Society. And the Vril Society believes that the Aryans were not something that existed only in the past, but were in fact still living in the Earth's core. Very convenient. I will, on this next chunk of information, I will cite uh, my source on this one. This did come from Stormfront. But I will say this is that um, it's definitely not, wink, 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 definitely not bookmarked on the Marcus's <laughs> like need to check every day websites. I, I, do, believe I, I believe that. I believe it when you say that. You don't check Stormfront every day. Um, I don't believe did, you have a username on Stormfront called Dogmeat four yeah, seven seven. It, mm. it, it's like people who listen to Howard Stern every day. You know, Stormfront mm. makes Alex Jones look like MSNBC. <laughs> Stormfront's one of the worst dot uh, um, coms on the internet. It's yes. pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I only go there for Nazi research. That's the only reason to go there. Mm. That is exactly what they want you to be there for. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point that of the website. Not, you say Nazi research. What they mean is Nazi appreciation, kind of like how Pete Townsend said he was doing naked kid research yeah. instead of doing naked kid appreciation. Yeah, uh. exactly. Henry gets me too real. Well, he was making it. Yeah, he was making it. The the lead singer of the Who, correct? The guitarist of the, the Who. Two. Yeah, he's a pedophile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Except for what I'm doing isn't illegal. Not yet. <laughs> All right, so let's move on here. Marcus, Thought Primes, Dog Meat Parts. <laughs> so one of the main characters involved in the Vril Society was a super hot Nazi named Maria Orsic. Actually very hot. Actually dog. super hot. She created her own little circle of friends within the society called the Alldeutsche Geschalfas für Metaphysik. Which is mean old Germans for metaphysics. Yeah. Which is true. And that was composed completely of young ladies who wore their hair in the horsetail style. You know, ponytail. That's what they mean. It's a ponytail. Horse. They keep saying horsetail, and it's not a horsetail. Uh, well, yeah, well, a ponytail's different from, I mean, yeah, ponytail, horsetail, they're all horses, Henry. A well, horsetail, if I told, like, if I told my girlfriend that her hair, I was like, oh, I love that horsetail you got going on there. I get punched in the stomach because it's horsetail. Saying to a woman that having a horsetail implies that you are 300 pounds. That's very <laughs> true. And women don't like to be compared to horses, believe it or not. They don't like the extended face. Yeah, but they ponies, they they're fine like the with ponies. Face. They don't like the Pony. big legs. They don't like right. the I, the concept of their breasts as udders. Right, they don't. And I know this for a fact. My friend Dave, we were at a bar one time in college and he called girl uh, a girl Seabiscuit. And uh, then he got punched in the face. Oh, yeah. But Seabiscuit, she didn't understand he was calling her a winner. But, <laughs> you know. Dave is the guy you shat on his couch, right? No, I never did that. So <laughs> Hollow Worth is, is more possible than, than what you just said. So let's just take that easy. So the women of this of the Vril Society, of the Vril Gestalt. No, this uh, is great. They yeah. really did. They believed that their ponytails acted as cosmic antennae to communicate with aliens. Yeah. Through this hairstyle... 
<laughs> through this hairstyle. Good All right, damn. so Maria was able to communicate with ancient Sumerians to receive technical data from the construction of a circular flying machine. Yeah, that's right. Through her cosmic antenna horsetail. Of course. So, and the other medium in this society, he was known only as Zigrun. Zigrun is a woman. Yeah, Zigrun is a woman, and much like Madonna, goes only by one name. Okay. Yeah. Zigrun translated the mental images into blueprints, although because of funding problems, construction on this disc machine would not begin until three years later. Now, the Avril mm-hmm. Society was also started by a man named Ruben von Zibutendorf. Um, that was, there were two sides of the Avril Society. There was the dude side and there was the hot chick side. Mm-hmm. The dude side believed that they were going to go and try and find the substance called Vril. They believed that there was literally a goop called Vril that yeah. could control all reality deep in the center of the earth. Yes, The Much chicks like the- on the other side were doing the fucking talking to aliens shit, trying to get all the plants for how to take us over to Antarctica and it's all very complicated and they also mm-hmm. all fucked each other mm-hmm. well I would quite say a bit in yeah. this situation I would identify as a woman I would have to go with Caitlyn Jenner's route become a woman fully transition because it sounds like the chicks had a lot more fun yeah dude because they were the ones going up into space right the dudes were going down into the earth just coal mining <laughs> just the coal miners yeah. of the situation yeah Henry says that it's real complicated I don't think so I'm going to be able to, I'm going to explain it to you guys right now what these ladies were up to. See, in 1924, in November, Maria visited top Nazi Rudolf Hess in his apartment. I remember when he won that reality show, America's Next Top Nazi. <laughs> America's yeah. Next Top Nazi, where it was just like, and they had that cool thing with the hot tub. That's yeah. like in a big place with the weird, like, you know, martini, like lamps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In Rudolf Hess's apartment, Maria used her psychic powers to contact one of the founders of the Nazi party, Dietrich Eckhart, from beyond the grave, for Dietrich had died one year later. Now, although the party started with Eckhart speaking through the young woman, Eckhart soon gave the control of the young woman over to a strange voice who claimed that he was a part of the Sumi who were dwellers of a distant world which orbits the star Aldebaran in the constellation that we call Taurus the Bull. All right. You there? You with me so far? I'm totally with you. Right. So so remember, there is, okay, there is an old German man speaking out of the mouth of a young, hot, blonde Nazi. Right. But also there's an alien in there. Taurus the bull. No, no, no. Taurus. No, the constellation is that's where they live. That's where they the live. Algebron no. was in the constellation of Taurus. Yeah. No, they are, they're the Sumi. Those are the ones. That's the aliens that speak okay. out. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, you may be asking right now. How this race from the stars relates to what goes on in the hollow earth. Now, remember, Mm -hmm. in the quote-unquote novel Vril, The Power of the Coming Race, Bulwer-Lighton claimed that the Vril-Ya were a race of humans who fled the Great Flood, lost their way, and decided to stay in the caverns. While the voice, speaking through Dietrich Eckhart's spirit out of Maria Orsic's mouth, Mm -hmm. told the Nazis that the Sumi had briefly colonized Earth 
500 million years ago, and millennia later, there came a great flood, which the Sumis called the Upnapishtim, known to us as the Flood of Noah, and the survivors of this flood, according to the Sumi, hit underground and eventually became the ancestors of the Aryans. Fuck you! Fuck everybody. Wow. The other idea, too, is that, like, if you look at this, there was the... This corresponds to the less racist versions of these stories as well, with the terms of the Anunnaki, um, the the Indian race, the Hindu belief, and the the flying ships that were put in the Bhagavad Gita. There's like all of this shit kind of connects into each other onto the same shit. Also, Taurus the Bull was connected to a thing called the Lords of the Black Stone, which was a secret society that exists in Germanic times in early in the 1600s that were like a bunch of Teutonic guys that hung out, and they had a sigil that was a Taurus with wings on it. And what do we learn about things that with wings on it in ancient pictures? It denotes the fact that they were flying. Yeah. So we're looking at is the <laughs> fact that there is maybe a Germanic connection to alien life through the Alderberon and the constant where they live. The, 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 the Sumi have been talking to Germans for a long time and they've wanted white people to live and win for like 900 years. Yeah. Check out Heroes on NBC <laughs> next Tuesday or Wednesday. Or whatever. So decades after this weird little psychic party in 1943, a secret plan was hatched by Maria Ziegrun Heinrich Himmler and Hitler himself to use the seventh generation of the flying saucer that they mm-hmm. built using the earlier Sumerian plans way back right. in 1922. This was called Vril 7, and they were going to use this ship to travel through a dimensional channel to the Sol- to the star Aldebaran, where the Aryans originated by... Mama, I'm coming home! <laughs> That's what that song is about, actually. Yeah. But the flight ended in failure when the ship returned badly damaged, looking as if it had been traveling for hundreds of of years bad dimensional rift there mm. the nazis would not make actual physical contact with the vrilya until 1937 when on an expedition to the antarctic the nazis found the south pole hole now but it's nothing like that south pole hole <laughs> love the, the south, south pole. pole hole is the kind of hole you can't even forget because it's the south pole hole yeah yeah sounds like a strip club <laughs> Now, as far as the fate of the Aldeutsche Gesellschaft für Metaphysik goes, the last letter sent out to their membership was a communication from Maria Orsic at the end of the war. It ended with the sentence, Niemand bleibt hier, meaning none is staying here. And since no one heard from any members of the Aldeutsche Gesellschaft für Metaphysik, ever again, including Maria Orsic, it is possible mm-hmm. that somewhere out there, near the star Aldebaran, there still lives today a colony of hot Nazi mystic women. Ooh, get oh, me wow. on a spaceship. Yeah. We're gonna spaceship, get up there, listen to nothing but Rush. <laughs> all the way up to fucking Aldebaran. I'm gonna bring them, because you know what I bet they've never tasted? Margaritas. <laughs> and I bet Maybe. you, because there's nothing that drives a bunch of hot Nazis just fucking absolutely wiggity wild. It's a bunch of fresh, nicely made margaritas. Not for mix. I'm just talking about some ice, <laughs> some lime juice, some good golden rum. You know what I mean? Yeah, like something yeah. nice. Yeah. Something good, some classy. Yeah. Tequila. Yeah, triple sec. Mm. Yeah, you don't know how to make a margarita, Henry. No, you did not make you didn't bring them a margarita. You, you got you, rum. That's a you mojito. Got <laughs> salt and pepper. <laughs> some soy sauce. That's true. 
Margarita. <laughs> Perfect. So while Maria may have escaped certain death at the hands of the Russians through interstellar means, the majority of Nazis may have escaped into the hollow earth with the Aldebarian aliens who stayed behind. No, I think that's just cold fact. Yeah, that's... I think we can all just say that that's cold pretty fact. Mu- yeah, it's cold fact because we know this from the research of the hollow earth. Research Society oh. in Ontario, Canada. Oh. Now, a thing called the Hollow Research Society would always be pretty objective. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're researching specifically hollow stuff. Chocolate mm-hmm. Easter bunnies there. Yeah. That's when I realized that life was bullshit. <laughs> the first time, I'll never forget it. <clears throat> Six years old, I thought I was getting a full chocolate bunny. Nothing inside. And nothing's like the rage of a six foot five, six year old. Mm. <laughs> Just, I thought this was going to be full of chocolate. And it's not. Smash, smash, smash. I didn't eat it. <laughs> well, according to that society, more than 2,000 scientists from Germany and Italy, along with almost a million other Nazis, disappeared into the South Pole hole. Concerning our earlier claim that Operation High Jump was secretly a plot to kill Hitler, it's said that Operation High Jump was in fact that. But the reason why they needed so many men and ships and airplanes was that it was actually a battle between the Aryans of the Hollow Earth and the United States military. By the way, fellas, we lost. I do not fucking believe that for a second. We lost. I think that we what? gave up because we were tired. We just were like, we're done with this. We don't need to deal with it. Let them have it. We didn't lose. We lost the hollow earth to the Germans? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that if we wanted it, we would have had it. But I think we decided it smells down there or something. There was like French fries became invisible down there and we couldn't. Yeah. We just can't use it. It just wasn't good for our needs. Sure. But also, this is saying, because the Aryans were fighting with their UFO flying disc technology at the same time, which would also possibly be energy crafts, which is also possibly the origin for all of the stories of the Foo Fighters during World War II and in the 1950s, and that every single UFO we've ever seen has been piloted by a Nazi crew, which connects to Betty and Barney Hill yeah. seeing the Nazi on the UFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it, Ben. I've already thought about it. <laughs> I, I can't agree more. No, think how about this. How deep in the rabbit hole are we right now? How how miles deep are we into into to the hollow earth? I mean, I'm about to quote a 1964 book from a man named Raymond Bernard. <laughs> Pretty deep, then. <laughs> he claimed that flying saucers were not from outer space, mm. but were rather from the Earth's core. From the South Pole Hole. The so- but there's also the North Pole Hole. Remember, there's mm. the mouth chakra and the butthole chakra, Ben. The root. The root chakra, mm-hmm. yes. He argued this just made a lot more sense, right? If we follow the logical conclusion of the claim made by Raymond Bernard in the Hollow Earth, that it is very probable, if not certain, if not certain, mo- if not certain, that most, if not all, present-day UFOs are actually piloted and crewed by subterranean Nazis. The Antarctic Nazi underground Aryan connection—it doesn't end there, you fuckers. While some say Himmler was merely scouting, quote unquote, scouting the South Pole for a possible boring old mil- military base called Station Two One One, others claim. 
claim that the Nazis were actually planning to build a colony there called New Berlin. And so New Berlin would have been built atop a series of underground tunnels which connected to the prehistoric ruins of Kadath. Kadath, a, a city built by Atlantean settlers well over 100,000 years ago. And it is currently populated to this day by over 2 million non-Nazi Aryans. And it goes even further. Even further. As, and as we know, the Liebenstrom program in which the Nazis kidnapped women with Aryan features from conquered countries and placed them in camps to breed with SS officers actually fucking existed. Yeah, because supposedly Heinrich Himmler extended this plan to a further division called the Antarktis Zeitlungensfrauen, the Antarctic Settlement of Women, or the ASF. Thank Training centers much. were set up in Estonia that were said to be combinations of a finishing school and boot camp where ladies would learn charm, etiquette, housekeeping, and polar fucking survival. All right, Marcus is horny. <laughs> Marcus is officially moving on to the polar horny phase. survival. Oh, and God. as far as real-life verified proof of this claim, Nazi Navy Admiral Carl Donuts spoke... Carl Donuts? Wait a second. Is his name Carl Donuts? Carl Donuts, no, yeah. Carl Donuts here report. Carl Donuts Donuts? No, not Donuts, because there's an umlaut over the O, so it's Carl Dinitz. It's Donuts. <laughs> Carl Donuts. I'm going to go to Duncan Dinitz, and I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. and be like, I will have two dozen Dinitz. Dinitz. <laughs> He spoke, and this is uh, this right here is actually to this is historical fact. He spoke at the Nuremberg trials about quote an invisible fortification of a paradise like oasis in the mist of eternal ice. Also, we killed like seven million Jews. Yeah, they keep asking about the snow forts. <laughs> Hitler was just so excited to build a snowman that could just actually be purely white. And it was just a bunch of men. And a bunch of us was just building snowmen for Hitler for months. <laughs> we did that. Um, but that's what you guys want to know about? Because I'll talk to you all about the fucking Christmas vacation place that Hitler wanted. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to distract from the uh, horrors of the Holocaust. Yeah, it really discuss, is. Yeah. yeah, talk about the paradise-like oasis mm -hmm. in the midst of eternal ice. And we may never know. Mm-hmm. If the Hollow Earth actually exists, we or don't. Not. We do know that it. We could not. know. We it could definitely not. know because we could just go there if it's there. If, we, if it was there, this, we could fucking go with a camera. We well, have the yeah, most no, sophisticated yeah, cameras. Yeah, in the I know. I know because that's mm -hmm. the thing is that pictures from the Hollow Earth from the Earth about the the top is just a big black hole up there, Ben. All right, just there. a big black hole. And Admiral Byrd said that he could never actually fly over. A lot of pilots I have read, uh -huh. I have actually listened to YouTube videos of people who have spoken to people who have spoken to pilots. I know it, and they say that you can't actually fly over the North Pole. Right, you have to fly around it. So we this have is cold facts. This is right. cold facts. Yeah, the facts are eighteen hundreds pamphlets. Mm -hmm. that, those are cornerstone. Yeah. And then a chick channeling a Nazi from beyond the grave, but then went through another alien yeah. from the tourist bull country. Yeah. Through her horse tail. Through yes, her through horse her ponytail. Tail. Yeah. Horse tail. Yeah, well, that's 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 seal, that's that's solid. Yeah. And also, don't forget about the secret diary from the retired senile Navy. The admiral. diary that was marked secret diary, don't read. If and you did do, you yeah. even think about the bubbles? The do you bubbles. remember the bubbles yeah. with the bit of orange peel? Yeah. The bubbles. In them? Yeah. And testimony from Nuremberg. Yeah. 
You know Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> I always thought for the longest time the guy's name was Duncan. And I thought it was Duncan's Donuts. And then I just realized it's Dunkin' Donuts, like what you would do with coffee and a donut. We're the prostitute cow. <laughs> oh, I see. We're, the, we're uh, the prostitute cow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Is that Hollow Earth? That's Hollow Earth. That's it. Wow, yeah, Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, unfortunately. That is, that's the entire storyline. <laughs> that's yeah. brilliant. Uh, thanks to Sammy Coughlin, as always, for her uh, wonderful research, and thanks to science officer Megan Fiora Root uh, right. for her help on, on research as well. What uh, is her email? Can we give that out just in case so that if anybody has any problems with the scientific virilitude of this uh, episode? Or- I have not asked her if it is. She has agreed to be science officer and said that she did not know that she was even nominated but okay. That's well, now right. that she has the job, she will take the responsibilities that come with the job. I don't know if we want to give out this poor woman's email address yeah. right now. <laughs> no, no, um, no, no. Because she's going to get a whole series of emails by around, uh, you know, later today and freak out. Yeah. And probably go to the police. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have to make a correction. Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin did not do their heel face turn at SummerSlam. It was at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I want to I want to clarify that. Also, Henry Spurowski is now down to 180 pounds, uh, and uh, Heroes Reborn will be on NBC September 24th at 8 p.m. It's a week from today. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, uh, and uh, follow us at LP on the left. Follow Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. You can find Henry Zabrowski on Twitter at Henry Loves You, and I'm at Ben Kissel. I'm going to do Red Eye on the 24th as well at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and don't forget that our next live show is next Saturday, September 26th. We're going to be live streaming it again, awesome. uh, as we always do. Uh, check out uh, the Facebook group for updates on where that link is going to be. You can also search for us on YouTube if you have some sort of weird aversion to Facebook. Uh, we'll also be announcing it on our uh, Twitter uh, as well. Uh, so that'll be starting actually starting at 11 p.m. Eastern uh, this month rather than 10 p.m. Awesome. It's going to be a little bit later show this month. And go to uh, cavecomedyradio.com slash merch uh, to get your last podcast on the left t-shirt. We're almost sold out of the limited edition heart shirts. We've only got a few sizes left. Uh, so if you really want one of those, go and check it out. There's only a couple out there. Uh, and Heil Gein, everyone. Oh, that's great. Uh, thanks for listening to the shows here. Top at Roundtable, page 7, Sex and Other Human Activities. Really appreciate it here on CCR. Hail uh, Satan, use ritual to manipulate your reality to what you want it to be. I'm going to say uh, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail me, please, if you would. That'd be great. And we got a magustalations. Magustalations, everyone. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.